and welcome live to the studio here on Triple H 100.1 FM. You are listening to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it with Alexi Boyd. And I'm very thrilled to be talking about something that's very close to my heart today. We're going to be learning. We're going to be learning how to teach. Aren't we, Ray? Yes, we are. <laughs> Welcome to the program, first of all, Ray. Um, you're now you're here from OTG. Now, um, just give us a little bit of background about why it is that uh, you're passionate about what you do and instilling this sort of knowledge um, to other people. No, well, let me let me give a bit of a background. What we're going to be talking about today, we're going to talk about giving the empowering your children with the knowledge that I guess we as small business owners have innately. We have concepts and understandings about cash flow. We know about um, good time management which sort of leads into good financial management as well, understanding the peaks and troughs of finances. And all of this is is kind of something you learn as you go as a small business. And we can be either very, very organised and very on top of things for ourselves, which can translate into the family home and our own family budgeting, or we can run away from it, <laughs> cover our eyes and, and run a mile. Um, but either way, there's that knowledge there, isn't there? You're either bad at it or you're good at it. And and it's a good, uh, I guess, set of um, understandings that you need to be able to give to your kids. Absolutely. I, I think one of the elements, and being that we're both parents, uh, I've raised three children now with my lovely wife. And one of the things that you realise as your children start growing is that their behavioural traits, you know, you start with a clean slate <laughs> and you think about, uh, you know, elements of behaviour like misogyny, racism, etc. They don't, they're not born with that. They are ingrained with that. And so as a licensed financial planner, I've watched many of my clients who have the most unbelievably bad financial habits. <laughs> and so one of the elements of the FPA, the Financial Planning Association of Australia, is to start early. And and one of the elements in what we're going to discuss today is how we can assist and talk to our children about money. Now, it's a a key point because in today's world now, our children are being born into a totally online, on-air situation now, 24-7. Well, give you an example of that. I mean, I... (laughs) My girls don't understand the physical aspect of money. Absolutely. And, and so in that regard, you know, it, it becomes increasingly increasingly difficult now for parents to talk to their children about money because mm. all of a sudden when you go to the supermarket, you're not exchanging money anymore. You're waving a smartphone over a reader or uh, swiping a credit card. So you're not actually seeing the physical exchange of notes and coins like, for example, I was used to when I was growing up. And so when you're trying to relay the issues of value and money and the association of work and the exchange of labour for money, it becomes increasingly difficult when you don't actually see anything uh, exchange. Mm. And so part of what the FPA was trying to do through this excellent e-booklet, which they launched uh, back in August, and what I'm really sort of talking to a lot of people about is, you know, there are certain stages and they talk about, you know, being able to talk to your child from three about money. And by the time they're seven, they're set. Now, you might think that's awfully young, but it's actually, you know, they have a lot of good uh, empirical data to back uh, this information. And so we're talking about getting in there early and setting the kind of principles and around all the way your child behaves, including the way that they handle and value the money that not just they get, but also that you spend on them. And, and so I think that has tremendous impact and flows through right through into their young and all, you know, obviously their adult life as well. We have a, a lot of, I mean, the world has changed a lot when it comes to money. Um, when we were kids, we would be handed, you know, 
a one dollar coin, for instance, and that seemed like a lot of money. Or you'd get your typical. You get your weekly allowance. Mm-hmm. God, I haven't even used that word for so long. You get, <laughs> you get that weekly allowance and you put it in a piggy bank and then eventually you'd save up enough so it became worthwhile to trot yourself down to the bank and put it in there. But you'd actually have that little bank book so you could see Absolutely, the money yes, go up yes. and down. So even when, I mean, we won't even talk about school banking too much because that's been in the news quite a lot. But quite even even with school banking, you don't have a running balance. And the only way your kids are going to be able to physically see what they've been saving is for you to log on because it's a bit, you know, difficult for younger kids to log on to internet banking and to see it in there. And and I've got to say with with how how busy we are, I hate that word busy. We don't have the time to sit down and log on to our kids internet banking and see and tell them and see tell them how much they've got there. So true, very, we need very true. different tactics to what we had. Well, certainly, but I, I think one of the things that you know we've got to get ourselves inured to is to actually have the conversation. Mm. Uh, far too many parents either avoid it or think that it's not the right thing to be doing with children as young as three, for example, whereas this e-booklet will point out there are three definitive phases that they talk about and what we may cover off this morning depending on time. But you're talking about four to eight-year-olds and then nine to twelves and then thirteens to eighteen. So each phase that they're going through uh, there are certain strategies that they outline and certain tips that I think are well worth covering today that you know make tremendous amount of common sense. But again, you've got to know that they're there. And just like you know anybody that runs a small business, for example, you've got a plan. Mm-hmm. And, and it's no different with your children. You've got to be able to sit down and have these conversations in the clear light of day. No emotion. It's just money. I mean, it's the kind of thing that simply says, okay, here's how things work. And so one of the very first lessons that you know, for the four to eight-year-olds, for example, is simply explaining to them where money comes from because they'll be watching you doing things. And believe me, you know, the old monkey see, monkey do routine, it's absolutely true. Kids watch and mimic their parents big time. And so if they're watching you being profligate, then they will end up being the same. And in the same way that if you are miserly, they will end up mimicking you. And so they will follow your example. But the first thing that you need to be doing is explaining where it all comes from because you know they are born into your home they don't know that you've worked you've had a mortgage or you've paid off or or you might be renting they have no concept of any of that so the first thing they've got to understand is why are mum and dad heading off at eight o'clock in the morning to go to work and i'm going to school what's going on there mm-hmm. and so the first aspect is to say to them look I work in a job, I work 40, 50 or so hours, and certainly those in small business, you can add a few more (laughs) hours to that. 60 or 70. Okay, exactly. (laughs) And so they need to understand that that's where money comes from. Because otherwise, particularly in an online and internet world, it just appears. It's confetti. Well, it's not even even real. It's numbers on a screen. Exactly. And, And so one of the aspects that the first thing they need to understand is where does it come from? And then the next phase becomes trying to differentiate between wants and needs. And so I usually use the things like food and clothes are needs. You know, going out and having a good time and having the odd occasional fast food meal or going to the movies, they're wants. Let me just stop you there. Where do you introduce the concept where money is theirs as opposed to yours? Because that is a really grey area. Is it something that you go, right, once you hit school... 
you can start receiving little bitty bits here or there or, or I'll give you I'll give you an example in our home I've got a, a 11 and a 12 year old daughters they don't get pocket money so they don't get the automatic two dollars a week thing mm-hmm. they have to earn all of it well that is I guess by those kind of things in the e-booklet they talk about the difference between allowance yes and pocket money and is and, it important to differentiate the two do you well, think well absolutely an allowance is where you're simply dishing it out and, mm-hmm. and some people you know my daughter's doing a masters of sociology at the moment and one of her thesis subjects is going to be the universal wage and so the universal wage is very topical for example in uh, a number of european countries where people will get a basic wage to live on simply for breathing now, the people in neoliberalist capitalist environments will go apeshit and go, oh, my God, well, you can't do that, you know. <laughs> Everybody's got to earn. But yeah. again, uh, in a more socialistic environment, they tend to believe, well, if you're a citizen, you have certain rights, et cetera, et cetera. So there's the, the juxtaposition between one to the other and depending on how you stand, you, know, you may be diametrically opposed or, you know, so-so about it or whatever. So almost our political context can kind of trickle down well, to the way that we either dish out the money for breathing for the kids or we, we make it that it's every cent is earned in a capitalist well, sort of... Not that I say that I'm a pure I guess, capitalist. I, I, guess, I guess there is that element. And again, it, it, you know, you end up raising mini-me's. Mm. They are literally, because they do mimic you and they will learn your good sides and your bad sides, your, your nice traits and your lousy traits. And when it comes to aspects of money management, if you simply bestow money on them, then it's very difficult for them to understand value. Whereas if there's a trade-off in the very much the same way when you work, there is an exchange of labour for money, mm-hmm. okay? And it cuts both ways. And so when an employer engages somebody, they get value because somebody's working for them, helping them build their business. You pay them, that's the exchange of labour for money. Mm. And in the family household, it doesn't have to be under contract and with an award wage or anything, (laughs) but it simply says, here's the dollar coin for taking the garbage out or walking the dog or feeding the pets or, you know, cleaning up after dinner or whatever. So there's, and the four to eight regime, uh, the four to eight year old uh, time frame is a great time to simply start putting in simple examples of look there is a weekly sum of money but in exchange for that weekly sum of money here's a list of chores that need to be done now again you then negotiate how they get done and in very much the way i remember you know my kids grew up with a homework grid they had two weeks to do that homework grid you might negotiate that with your child and say, okay, you get your two or, you know, however many dollars for doing these jobs. And again, it's an interesting point. The FPA did a quite a far ra- uh, far-ranging survey and today in Australia, the average pocket money for a four to eight-year-old hmm. is roughly $6.20. Okay? A week? A week. How much? $6.20. For four to eight-year-olds? For a four to eight-year-old. Wow, again, that's significantly higher than my children. Maybe so. But again, when you see what, you know, food is charged at a canteen, that's not unusual. You might give them that kind of money, for example, so they have a treat once a week or whatever in exchange for some, again, if there's an exchange of labour for money. Well, this is where I really, this is where I kind of struggle because I think, yes, I agree, absolutely. Getting, Getting the idea and the information out there and helping them understand the concept of money is very important. What I don't, um, what I've always struggled with, particularly in that age group, is knowing where to draw the line between what you're happy to spend money on, uh, the basic needs, Mm -hmm. versus what they should be spending their money on. So 
is it the once a week treat? I mean, is there any recommendations there around what you need to encourage them to save for? Because ah, my kids well. go, I just want an iPhone. And I go, well, that's a thousand bucks. <laughs> it's going to take you, you know, a well, year and a half to, and then it becomes, it, again, it loses yes, its that's money, true. its so, value. So let's look at some of the numbers. When you go to the eight to 12, uh, the nine to 12s, the tweens, the average is $9.60. And for 13s to 18s, it's almost $18 a week. Now, again, as they get older, you start expanding the boundaries. You start expanding the discussion. You can't have a four- to eight-year-old discussion with a tween or a teenager. Mm -hmm. So you need to move things on. And so much of what they recommend is, again, simple common sense. You lead by example. And so as we move from the four to eights where you're showing them basic finance skills, and that simply comes down to money in versus money out, straight budgeting. Okay, and you've got to start teaching kids from that age that you can't spend more than you earn. I mean, if you do, there are consequences. And so as we move to them getting a little bit older, and particularly for your girls, uh, Alexi, you know, they're in the 9 to 12 year and they call tweens. And again... Aren't they ever? <laughs> and so they're suggesting here, never just give them money. There needs to be an exchange because if you are simply bestowing then they, they will quickly lose value for what's being given to them. And so that pocket money, money needs to be earned. And again, one of the other aspects is it's not just handing over the money for the chore. It's then setting down a budget. And part of that budgeting process then sets out wants, needs, and then savings. Mm. Okay, And this is a great time to now start saying what do you want long term? So, for example, if they want an iPhone. Now, you're right, it is $1,000. Okay. One of the things I did with my kids when they got to, you know, a little bit older than 12 or so, they, they wanted to have a job and they needed a cart to do their paper run. So I went with them. I went and we bought it half. Okay. We bought half of it. It was a $60 wagon at, at Bunnings. So they paid 30, we paid 30 and off they went. And so they thought, okay, this is, you know, they were great. They put in money and there was the enterprise that said, okay, I'm investing a little bit in me yep. and off they went. So... Setting up the budget is really important because what it does is it shows them a framework. It shows them a framework that says there's a weekly or a fortnightly or a monthly system that you work out with them and they start seeing the money coming in and they watch the money going out and not all of it going out. So there's some left over. But where do... I like that you watch it. That's, that's great. But what I struggle with is how do you help them watch it? Uh, okay, so say, for example, I've got on the, on the fridge... We've got all the chores, how much they earn. They mm -hmm. tally them. Good. And at the end of the week, I pay them. Good. Paying consists of moving money from my account to their bank account and they watch me do it. And it's at that point they can see what the balance is at the moment. But I fear that they're not understanding the value because they're not getting the physical. And, and, and again, this is the, the difficulty as we move from uh, a cash society to, to a cashless society. And whilst I might end up sounding like a... <laughs> Um, I, what, what's the word? A dinosaur, I guess. But this is where I would really come back from the digital uh, brink right now and, and keep the cash involved because when you hand over cash, you hand over a note. Mm. Not only do they then see the physical transfer, but they then start understanding. And it's basic maths as well. I mean, my daughter struggles with maths. She can't really tally, you know, when she's paying 
you know, seven dollars ninety, she hands over twenty bucks. It doesn't Im- immediately go twelve bucks ten back. Mm. And a lot of the kids behind the counter, <coughs> if the cash register didn't tell them twelve ten back, they're not going to know. They what have the no is. idea. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, I loved maths when I was a kid. I sit there and I despair. But again, I shouldn't. It's what we're training our children to do. Right. We're lessening the impact because everything is automated and everything is automatic. So in my scenario, it's probably a good idea that I get off my tush and go down to the teller and actually get the money and give them the exact money that they're owed for the week so that they they gain a little bit of knowledge around those notes. We're just going to take a quick break here on, sure. on Small Biz Matters and go for some community service announcements. Now, when we get back, I'm really keen to talk to you about moving through the different phases that you've described uh-huh. and, and how to have those conversations with your kids. You're listening to Small Biz Matters and we are talking all about money and kids with Ray from OTG. We'll be back after this. So we're back in the studio today and we're talking to Ray from OTG Capital. And we're talking about empowering your children with the knowledge that we as small businesses owners, many of us have innately, which is all about our finance. And just before the break, we were speaking in relation to the different phases that your children go through uh, and how to speak to them about finance and, and I don't want to say financial planning, that's the wrong word, but understanding money and understanding um I guess, the way we operate as a family unit when it comes to finance. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about the four to eight level and, and how you introduce the concept of where money comes from. And just before the break, you were saying it's important to think about when you're handing over that pocket money, that it doesn't become an internet banking transaction, that it's actually something physical you hand over to the kids so that they help to understand what they've earned and, and hold on to it. it. It certainly reinforces the message that there is something going on because otherwise if it's in the ether, you know, it's the old story, if the tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, did it actually happen? And yeah. so it's very much reinforcing what's going on. And again, in that 9 to 12, the tweens years, it's important to show that digital, invisible money is real and it has to be paid for, okay? And and when they see you swiping a credit card, you need to show them, you know, at the end of the month, there's a bill that's got to be paid. It just doesn't go off into the ether and you can forget about it. And so I think it's really, really important. And depending on the maturity of your child, you may actually decide to dish out a debit card by this stage. You might think 12 is a bit too young, but again, depending, and it's always your choice whether you do this or not. Can you legally do it? Are children oh, allowed to have debit cards? Absolutely. 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 The banks won't stop you giving it because they're a debit card. Remember, they're not a credit card, but they use a Visa number or a MasterCard number to do the transaction. And so it, it operates and looks like a credit card, but it uses ABLE funds. It's not a credit card per se. So sharing some of the family budget also is important at this time. Not too much, because if you're doing it tough, you don't want to all of a sudden burden your children with your overriding mortgage. Or That's your, right. You don't want it to become the... money no, equals stress either. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so, again, it's about having that conversation and involving them as appropriate. And so as you start moving from the tweens into the teen years. And by this stage, they'll be in year seven, year eight. And so they feel like they're a young adult. They're going to high school. They're no longer a child in a primary school environment. Things are happening. They're at, you know, they're at a canteen. There's a big wide world. You know, the, the primary school is now all of a sudden a, you know, a larger high school. Things are starting to move up and up. And in the money environment, all of a sudden, they've got some opportunity in front of them. And Again, according to the good book, there's an encouragement there to now start saying to your kids at this age to get a part-time job. 
Now, that can be retail. It can be a paper run. So, for example, uh, News Local, and where I live in the Northern Beaches area, the Manly Daily, my kids have had uh, have been doing paper runs now. And parents, I'll just warn you now, you'll end up doing it with them okay, <laughs> when it's early morning on a sad day. But again, you know, the wonderful thing is my youngest is 19 now and he still does a paper run. But Saturday morning, it's father-son time. You know, we go out, we walk for, I think it's about three or four Ks. We do the paper run and it's just us time together. Now, when people keep on saying, oh, that's quantity time rather than quality time, well, I say, you know, rot. Quality time means actually being there and so quantity matters as well. And so doing the part-time job with my son, I mean, we'll talk about this, that and the other. It doesn't really matter. Sometimes you say nothing. Do you take a cut? (laughs) Uh, yes, yes. I have a sensible young man. That's my cut, yeah. okay? That's my investment is, you know, my son Mitchell is, is a nicely rounded young man who, you know, is a pretty level-headed kid and, you know, I don't have to worry about him being out late at night being silly because he's got a pretty level head on him. I so. like the idea where you were saying how you invest and you say it as an investment. So we're going to go out together, we're going to buy this Bunnings trolley or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yep, yep. And you're going to pay for half and I'm going to pay for half and we're going to call that the investment. And I'll give you another example of that. My daughter wants to start a dog walking business. Oh, great. This week, which is That's very... a great idea. Very sweet. It's very... And she came up with a great name. She called it Live for Dogs. <laughs> and she thought of that all by herself. Good anyway, stuff. she made a logo and the works and she's That's made a little brilliant. flyer and it had way too much information on it. So we stripped it out and we yeah, made yeah. it very simple. But um, I started explaining to her about costs of sales. And I said to her, okay, well, you're, you're willing to wash those dogs are you going to buy the shampoo? Are they going to buy the shampoo? And that becomes a cost of sale. Now, if you're going to buy the shampoo yourself because it becomes more, you know, a better a better sell for the person who's getting your dog, the dog washed, are you going to make it? Because making it yourself is going to be cheaper than buying it off the shelf. Fair enough. And the other thing we were talking about was printing costs because she wants to do flyers and flies. pop in the letterboxes. Yes, yes, and I absolutely. said, look, it's 80 cents a page oh. to go and do a colour printout. And I don't have a printer at home because I'm an environmental Nazi. My listeners will know that. <laughs> so we have to trudge our way down to uh, the big O and then we need to actually do the printing. And I said to her, it's 80 cents a page. She went, oh, hang on. If there's, you know, we, we did a, a rough calculation on how many houses there were going to be. And then she worked out how many flies she had to make. And then she went, but hang on, a lot of people throw these out. I said, well, oh, you've yes, got to think about absolutely. the best way to advertise. Absolutely. Then we t- so it was, it was a really good conversation. Now, my daughter is 12. She's a pretty mature 12 in that she doesn't have a problem with, you know, you know, trotting up to people's houses and introducing herself, which, which is great. So this is a good little business starter. But is there a recommended starting point age-wise no. for kids? Look, I, I, the one thing I know, you know, I, I've got two boys that were ADD and every child is different. I, I try not to, you know, these are recommendations only. Mm. You know, parents, be a parent. Don't, mm. don't look at a book and go, well, the book says. Mm-hmm. Make a judgment call, okay? That's what you're there for. That's what parenting's about. It's you being engaged in an understanding and making a call. Now, you will know. You'll have a good feel. So, for example, when we talk about a part-time job, you know, the paper run is a great one because, again, they're right on their own. They're doing the, the walk in the morning, so they're getting exercise. And, again, I can vouch, you know, the, the payments come in. You know, they're, they're very good. As long as you do what's expected, it's all great. Dog walking's good, gardening, so mowing. I mean, I used to mow lawns when I was a kid. Yeah, gardening's a good one because okay. that's not something, that, you know, it's not it's not uh, a male or a female thing. No, and It doesn't just involve mowing lawns. You can also be well, trimming things. Gender, and... gender doesn't come into any of this. Raking leaves. Yeah, okay, raking leaves. Any of this go to is, find, is Go find viable. a street with a, with a, a, a plane And again, tree. you know, for, for young ladies and young lads, you know, 
babysitting. My daughter made a ton of money mm. babysitting. And when she got a little bit older, for those of you that uh, kids are in band, you know, when they get into, you know, grade four, grade five music lessons, they can then start teaching grade ones, you know, basic uh, clarinet, basic trombone, violin, etc. You know, that's 15 bucks an hour. That, that's great. And the parents that are receiving the lessons love it because they're not paying full tuition. Mm. You know, they've got a high school student teaching. And again, these are all bits of money that they're earning. And they all of a sudden start realising, okay, $15 an hour. Okay, if I go down to my local McDonald's, that meal's going to cost me, oh, that's costing me 40 minutes of work. Okay, and all of a sudden, the light comes on and they're starting to correlate. And around this time as well, it's certainly recommended, and I, you know, I certainly want in my own house at this stage that the kids start understanding that it's not a hotel. You know, they don't live there and mum and dad do all the chores. What stage are you talking about now? I'm talking teenaging now, you know, and high school all of a sudden you don't walk out the room. You know, we have a rule in our house, for example, you know, in your bedroom, nothing on the floor, the bed is made. That's it. You don't go out the door if that's not done and they'll be held to pay otherwise. And so that together with a weekly set of chores which revolves around garbage, pet feeding, you know, a little bit of, you know, we have a lot of ferns in our yard so it's picking up ferns, putting it near the compost or whatever. So there's a set number of tasks that need to be done mm-hmm. and that's part of the contribution. There needs to be contribution, a contribution, a, a shared responsibility because, you know, we're not getting any younger. I'm 58 and, yes, I'm still fairly vital and, and and fit, but it's like, hey, guys, you know, we don't charge our kids board, mm. okay? So people look at us and go, well, gee, Ray, you should. And I'm going, well, hang on. You know, we've got a, a situation right now where my kids are being lumbered with pretty hefty uh, hex fees. Mm. Um, I was lucky enough to have free education when I was growing up in the Defence Forces and some of my corporate jobs. So that's the least I can do with my kids is give them a help up mm. in that regard. But there's got to be a trade-off because if they don't, all of a sudden – the room's messy. They walk in, where's food? Why am I not being fed? And so it's that kind of routine that says, hang on a moment. This is not O'Connor Treveson Hotel. This is our family home. And revolving it around the conversation around money helps them equate. Absolutely. Like you said, they start to equate the, the value of the time that they spend doing something against the money that they earn and that then it, it trickles down to what they can buy with it. But again, e- even when it comes down to household products, you go to the supermarket all of a sudden, my son says, well, Dad, I want that really nice gel. Okay, Dad buys the no-frill stuff because his hair's disappearing and it doesn't matter. And he goes, well, look, I really want the expensive one. I'm saying, that's fine. You pay for it. Oh, um, uh, oh, I don't want it quite so much right now, do you? Because you've yeah. got to pay for it yourself. And so there's got to be this transcendence from mum and dad paying to them starting to take responsibility. And I guess going back a step, that's where when you're at that 8 to 12-year-old phase, you start to say things when you're shopping, when you're spending the money. You know, I say to them, look, I go to this supermarket over this supermarket because Likewise. it's cheaper. Yeah. Or I'll say, um, no, we're not buying that because, look, if you look at the back of the packet, it's identical. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly the same. And I don't really care what type of soy sauce goes in with my uh, yeah. stir fry, so I'm just going to buy this one. So it's about having that conversation around how you spend the money, yeah. I guess, to help them be sensible. That, but but more importantly, I think I really like what you were saying before, and I think this is a great time to introduce it. Is there anything wrong, and I think our parents would turn in, our gra- in their graves if they thought of this, but is there anything wrong with showing them a credit card statement? Because I think even as adults, we do get in the habit of just going tap, 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 and then at I the end of the important. month getting a bit of a sticker shock. It, it is important, and, and that this correlation between, you know, between digital spending and real spending when you're handing over cash 
it's becoming less and less. I mean, I like the technology myself. It's fine. It's very convenient. But showing them that, again, you, it's a judgment call. There might be stuff there that you don't necessarily want to show your kids. Um, so that's, that's always a, a personal decision. But part of this becomes also, you know, budgeting still becomes an important element. If they're starting to make their own money, even though they now start feeling like they're young adults, still try and, not impose, but be part of that discussion so that you're helping them set the budget and you're helping them save, Mm. okay? I can tell you now, one of my lads had some real issues around, you know, online spending um, and some of the websites, they're gamers. And so all of a sudden they start, you know, these little increments of $1, $3, $5. And next thing you know, bang, 400 bucks disappeared in the space of one month. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there shrugging my shoulders going, son, this doesn't work, okay? And he goes, I didn't even realise it was happening. Mm-hmm. It's no surprise, okay, when that occurs. And so it's at this point in time now, just like your own budget, you've got to set a budget and you've got to stick to it. And part of this budget also keeps driving home the message, saving Okay, it is really important. My middle son has just got a job at the at uh, an establishment. I won't name it, but he's now going to be working in the restaurant uh, area, and that's great. And so, from that perspective, you know, he said, "What's superannuation?" Because he all of a sudden he had to sign up for super, and I was tell- explaining to him about super and retirement, nine point five percent. And again, this leads me on to the next element about young kids now and the workforce. I strongly encourage all teenagers to go out and get themselves a part-time job, but there are also some real careful things we've got to note. And as parents, do not abrogate your responsibilities here. I watched my daughter for far too long being paid under-award wages, and these were people that we knew in the local area at the local cafe. She's a good barista, and that's great. But then when I found out she wasn't being paid correctly, oh, and superannuation, oh, gee, um... How is it that, you know, the superannuation uh, industry, you know, thought my daughter was four years younger than she actually was? No, you know, surprises there. They gave it that age so that they wouldn't have to pay her as much. Wow. I had a, a reasonably terse conversation with that particular employer and, you know, one week later my daughter was given her back pay. Now... Was she also given her marching orders? Uh, no, the, the business has already moved on by that stage, but mm. I wasn't pleased. And so, you know, you've got to also encourage your kids to stand firm against unscrupulous uh, dealings. Wage theft is rife at the moment. I mean, it's not criminal. It certainly should be. And I'm not going to get into party political aspects today, but you've got to protect your children when they're going out into the workforce. My son the other day was asked to come in and do a trial. He worked for three hours. They sent him home and said, yes, you're employed. But if your kids are doing weeks and weeks of trials and not being paid, you need to get them the hell out of there. Yeah. Okay? Because that aspect is simply thieving from them. And then you need to report the business. Well, there are people reluctant to do so. They're but that scared they that they'll never... Yeah, oh, we know they yeah. should. And your child shouldn't be working there and there are plenty of good establishments who pay people properly and do the right thing. One would hope. But again, there's a there's a common thread right now that says, oh, unions are thuggeries and all this. You know, join a union because guess what? You know, if you enjoy your weekend, if you enjoy your penalty rates, if you enjoy your annual holidays, guess what? You have them because a union gave them to you. Yeah, and minimum wages as well. And minimum wages, award wages. And so the reason, the other reason I always tell my kids and any child in this regard or teenager, young adult, make sure your super's being paid. And and as a small business, 
you know, vox pop that we're talking here. You know, small businesses have responsibilities. It's legislated. But, you know, they find ways not to do it. Mm. And the problem is the other aspect becomes around liability. You know, my daughter first started working. They were paying her under the table. I said, no way. She said, but why, you know? They're saving money. It's like you're not insured. Because if they're paying her under the table, that means they most likely don't have her covered for workers' compensation. That's and, exactly, in, and definitely not super. And in a small cafe environment, if they get burnt or they're injured in any way and there's no workers' comp, guess what, guys? You're in the lurch. And that's and that's very important that it comes back around to you as a parental. You are still ultimately responsible for this young, young person and they're not going to have the skills or the forthright you know, conversation skills to have that conversation. And it is it is a duty of care because you're ultimately, oh. you know, you're the one who's got to look after them. The, 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 the business owner who's not doing the right thing by them is, is definitely not going to be looking after them and not really care. So it's this whole, I think it's a fear that if I say something that my child won't get more shifts well, and they, then they get want, let go. They want the and, work. And, and so, you know, we, we have the government right now saying, Kids have to take whatever job they're throwing at them. And it's like, well, no, that's not right. They need to be paid correctly. They need to be paid award wages. They need to be paid correctly with their super and they need to be properly insured. And I would challenge any government or opposition minister to say otherwise because they won't. Yeah, and it's, it's actually very interesting. I had on the program a few weeks ago, we had John Shepherd from the ATO talking about single-touch payroll uh-huh. and the, the fact that you've got to be reporting your payroll every uh, pay event. So every pay run, whether yep. it's monthly, weekly, fortnightly, whatever, you have to report to the ATO what it is you're doing in terms of your wages, your pay-as-you-go tax and your super. And I think this will make a real difference for all of those, um, you know, under-the-table guys who pay and well. pay people underpay. But it is... All of that information is trickling through and I think give it a few years and hopefully a few more of those people will be caught out from the black economy. Well, I I think the more and more young adults turn around to small business that don't do the right thing and say, well, no, stick it. I'm not going to work for you for slave wages and you rip me off and not being covered. I think, and if I bring it back now to a very personal level, there are aspects of parents supporting their children when they make these brave decisions. Mm. I mean, my daughter was very reluctant because we knew the people that had hired her and I said, that doesn't make any excuse. Mm-hmm. I said, you can't be doing this. We've got to stand firm. And we did. And so, yes, there are going to be times it'll hurt, but that's what you are there for is to provide the support and be there for them and support them through the ways. And mm. I think one of the, the ending messages as well is that when you are helping them do budgets and you're helping them save, give them incentive to do so. One of the things that I did with my eldest when she was first starting to save for a trip abroad and she wanted to do a uh, one of those youth um, bus tours around Europe, mm-hmm. okay, we set a savings goal and I said to her, you get to that particular savings goal, mum and dad will chip in another grand for you. And she went, oh, beauty. Yeah. That sounds Price, great. Like matching, yeah. And so we were matching, not dollar for dollar, but there was certainly cents in the dollar. I won't be specific, but I'm simply saying, if you provide those saving goals... Okay. Yes, you are bestowing something, but hey, they're my kids. I love them dearly and I want to, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to be simply a free ride where they simply sit back and go, well, gee, dad, where's the check? Mm. And I'm sitting there going, no, you reach that target and that's when you get a little bit from me. What uh, age 
age does the FPA suggest that that starts from? Can you do it from the age of eight? Like your little goals that they've got, you know, if you get to this stage, I'll chip in 10 bucks or... I, I like the idea of incentivising from a, an early age and gamifying. I mean, you know, we, we hear this term gamification quite a lot, but gamifying finance is a great way of getting people involved and being competitive, you know, but in a positive way, okay? It can't be negative because you don't want... It, it can't be seen as the stick. It needs to be the carrot rather than the stick. If you punish rather than reward, then they're going to sit there and go, well, gee, why did I bother? And, and so it, it needs to be positive. These are positive messages. And again, life's very much like that. When you're in sales environments, if you reach targets, what do they normally do? They give you incentives. They give you bonuses. Hey, Telstra top guy just got a bonus. I mean, the shareholders association are probably questioning why, but that's what they get when they perform according to metrics. Right. Why not do the same thing? You are preparing your child for the kind of contracts they're going to be exposed to when they get into adult life. So we're going to give them KPIs for pocket money. <laughs> yes, no doubt. But again, I don't know if that necessarily, you know, that kind of language is going to work well in a in a. Well, in why a, not? Well, if, we're gonna, if we're introducing them to budgets and cash flow and savings and superannuation from an early age, let's start talking KPIs. I guess so. And, and, <laughs> and, and again... I, I, I wrote a blog recently I, which I posted. Um, Kitty Flanagan does a uh, wonderful comedy skit on the ABC and she talked about superflannuation uh, <laughs> because, you know, she's saying, kids and super, why buy? And again, when I talk to young adults in their 20s, because I also run a labour hire firm for IT, and kids in their 20s don't care about super. And I'm going, well, you should. Yeah. Okay, you it's very really hard to should. see that long term. You know, the 9.5% on top of your salary is really, really important. And, and again, the importance of compounding, the importance of not having fees chipping away at multiple super accounts, consolidation. These are all things that, you know, you will see plenty of good advice out there, but they don't follow it. And I'm saying, guys, this is simple stuff mm. that if you nail it now in your 20s, and I can show them the numbers, we're talking $40,000, $50,000 difference mm. in their retirement sum when they come to retire many years later. And so... You know, when you think about behavioural traits in children, you know, the racism, the nastiness, the niceness, the goodness, the love and care that you hardwire into a child. And believe me, you know, when you talk about clean slates, they really are the ultimate clean slate. And as a parent, that's a heck of a responsibility. You also have this wonderful opportunity to help mould and help them grow and be financially and fiscally responsible, but without having to be, you know, a miser or a total spendthrift. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are ways of doing it. And again, I like to choose the middle road. Funnily enough, when I say to my kids, look, you do need to save, but I also say to them, hey, you need to spend as well. Because otherwise, if you don't enjoy the money that you've gone out and worked really hard for, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Okay, you need to enjoy. Have a goal. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, my mum and dad are Italian. They came out here in the 50s and my mum always looked at my, my wife and I and go, oh, you've got to save, you've got to pay your mortgage off. We were busy going off skiing, <laughs> okay? When, before we had children, we were busy going off to Canada and America and Europe and skiing our rear ends off. And mum's going, but what about the mortgage? What about It'll still be there when I get back, mum. It's okay. And so, yes, we paid off our mortgage in good time, but we also went out and had a good time. Yeah. And this is the other aspect I really want to drive home to kids. It's not all gloom and doom. The whole idea about making money is so that you can spend it. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the great part of it. Maybe you know? you've got to save it first. But you've got to save it. And one of the aspects as well in this time that I think you really want to try and drive home for them is this budget and helping them understand it is better to save and pay for it 
rather than buy it now and pay it later. Oh, there's so many opportunities out there I mean, with this buy and spend and yeah, all the l- online. What is it? Buy now, pay later? It, it's yeah. called Afterpay. They're, oh, yes. they're huge. Now, if you are an investor in Afterpay, you are rocking and rolling. That is a stock that has done incredibly well and all you know, hats off to these guys. It's a very clever product. It's very good. The problem is for those that aren't disciplined enough mm. to be able to pay the debt off in the four instalments that it's offered, all of a sudden they're landed with crippling debt. Mm. And, and this is something we should be educating our kids about because we, especially as small business owners, understand the concept of debt and repayments and paying things off in instalments and all those other bits and pieces that go sure. with it. So it's very, I think it's very important that that we instill that knowledge from basically from our small business awareness. I mean, this this is the aspect I say to you know my kids when I, I set up OTG Capital. They're asking me, "Well, Dad, what are you doing?" You know, with this business because I used to be in IT and and I got old and they didn't want me anymore, so I retrained into finance. And they said, "Well, I said very plainly and simply, I'm buying and selling money." And they went, "What?" <laughs> I said, "That's what I'm doing. I'm buying and selling money." And when you go and take out a credit card, that's what you're doing. You are buying money. And the simplest lesson that you can teach your children is that there's cheap money out there and that there's this expensive money out there. And when you, for example, take out an offset mortgage, you are getting your money at mortgage rates. So threes to fives, whatever the bank is offering you or whatever. When you go to Visa MasterCard, mm. you're paying 20s. Mm. And so when people say, oh, but I don't want to pay, you know, I don't want to use my savings to pay my credit card, I'm looking at them going, are you nuts? Yeah. You so know? it's about, it's a, and, and the earlier the kids can understand the value, I like that idea of saying what money costs. Absolutely. The earlier they can see the value in that um, and the sooner they can understand, I guess, the value of money in the first place and then how, how much you have to look after it in terms of super, in terms of mm-hmm. what you earn and all those other pieces of puzzle. Now, tell us a little bit more about how people can find about the ebook. Okay. There is, uh, the simplest way is to go to your search engine, uh, plug in FPA and talking money with your children. We'll also put a link on the Small Biz Matters yes, Facebook absolutely. page and also onto the um, actual uh, podcast when it becomes available on sure. the Small Biz Matters webpage. And, and that's to do with FPA. It's got nothing to do with OTG mm-hmm. Capital. I like it simply because it's a great message. It really is. And one of the things I've written about, and one of the key, you know, numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Keep this one. If, you, if the only thing you take away and tell your children today about is that for every dollar you save... Okay, if you borrow that dollar, it takes you 25 times more to pay it off than to save it. Okay, based on the fact that if you use credit cards or whatever, opposed to the ones or 2% you get at the bank, okay, it takes you 25 times more time to pay off a debt than it is to save. That's that it. is an amazing number. Yeah, we should just write that all over the fridge when the it, kids well, come home. you see, again, this is why I'm trying to say to my children, credit does you no good at this point in time. Mm. I mean, we use credit cards. My wife and I, I've had a credit card since I was 18. Mm. 40 years I've had it. Mm. I've never paid interest on my credit card. Never. Yeah, but they have to understand how that works and also the, the you know, the mechanics of that yeah. as well, I mean, which is great to credit know. Credit cards are great instruments and they help you smooth out your finances and all of that. But if you let them get away from you, man, they're going to kill you. Exactly. Look, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the program today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. We've covered loads of different stuff. <laughs> if people want to find out about the ebook, they can look at the FPA website and great. also we'll have a link on the Small Biz Matters Facebook page. Now, today, if you've missed any of today's show, you can, of course, catch up via the Small Biz Matters Facebook, uh, sorry, uh, webpage where we'll have all 
of our podcasts available and we are now on iTunes as well. So make sure you find us on iTunes on your phone, subscribe. There are over 50 podcasts now available for you to listen to across a whole range of subjects. So make sure you check that out and uh, leave a little positive comment if you like what you hear. Thanks for coming on the program today, Ray. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so kindly for having me. And join us next week on Small Biz Matters, 9am every week here on Triple H 100.1 FM. For more fantastic business education and advocacy, you've been listening to me, Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. I'll see you all next week.